0: Hey everybody, so uh, this is the next part of the reading, I actually recorded it earlier this weekend, and as soon as I went to post it, it deleted itself, so let's hope that it doesn't do this again, Um, I appreciate you guys, and uh, hopefully there will be no drawbacks to this, (laughs) Um, All right. so anyways, we're going to commence with pages 43 to about 60 or so, Uh, thank you guys for listening, I hope you enjoy. The man stood in the darkness of the shadows. He wore silver armor that covered the gleam of magic in his eyes. He crouched on the mountainside, viewing the large expanse of the prison with hungry eyes. He looked down at the brace on his arm and the silver fragment that was wrapped around his wrist. He watched as the guard changed, and the new men began to crank the chains of the prison, causing it to lift into the air, giving the appearance it was floating. The prison sat in an angle until change, pulling it from the opposite side, straightened it. Its height, after several minutes of watching, was breathtaking. The man placed his opposite hand over the fragment, but stopped as he saw another man in silver armor walk into the prison. Zarks, he whispered annoyed. He stooped on the ledge, listening to the conversation below him. Make sure to be ever watchful. The king wishes for us to be more cautious than ever, the man heard Zarks say. What is all the fuss about? This prison is never bothered. Zarks looked at the guard agitated. Do not ask me why, but follow my order. In order of the king should not be questioned. Next time you ask a question like that, I will have you strive for insolence. The guard went red in the face and gave a curt yes, sir, before heading back to his post. Zarks walked around the prison, looking disgusted. Damus approached the red-faced guard and whispered a few words to him, who nodded in return. Why the look? must asked Zarks after having chastised the guard. These walls are not made by any ordinary person. I'm not a fan of Ashenborn magic, Zarks spat. Demos chuckled. "You hate what you do not understand." If the Ashenborn are all like Derek, they are a fine people at that. Zark's looked amused at Demo's statement. "Why, I ask. May I ask what you were looking for, General?" Zark's ran his hand across the wall of the glowing light. Before leaving for the king's errand, I wanted to check the prison, though what I expect to find, I'm not so sure myself. He put his hand up to his face, as if he expected to find the light smeared upon his fingers, as if it were slime. Derek said there's no need to supply more guards, though I have been arguing the opposite. His belief is the prison will hold against anything. Zark's looked around sternly. Deimos, what are your thoughts? I trust Elder Derek. There has never been a reason to be concerned, and all here remain vigilant, despite the fact that this ground is all but impervious to attack from the ground. (laughs) Sorry, Zark snorted. So attacks from the air could be problematic. Well, what could reach up this high? They must said unconcerned. Dragons, Zark said. They must raise an eyebrow. It is nothing. The prison seems fine. No worries of an enemy dropping from the sky. Zark said, only half in jest, as he his gaze, his gaze landed on the shadow of the man landing, standing on the mountainside. <clears throat> what about there? He pointed upward. The man in the shadow held his breath, not daring to move, unsure as to whether Zark saw him. Amos followed his finger and saw the large overhang high above the prison. If anyone attempted to enter the prison that way, the fall would kill them, he answered. Zarks nodded and squinted up at the ledge. <laughs> his eyes held on that point for what seemed like minutes to the man, but finally Zarks shook his head and brought his eyes down back to Damos. The man in the shadows breathed out and clenched his fists. Another perfect opportunity, the man said sarcastically to himself. Just leave, the man whispered following the two men with his gaze, knowing full well that they could not hear him. Zarks paced back and forth, his cloak swaying behind him. Damus, congratulations on becoming a white dragon. I look forward to serving with you in the castle, Zarks said, changing the subject abruptly. Damus bowed. Thank you, General. It has been my dream to serve the king directly. The highest honor indeed. I can now refer to you as one of the elites, Zarks grinned. Thank you. I serve at the king's pleasure, Damus answered. Will you miss it? Zarks asked. The prison? Deimos replied, regarding the walls of light. Only a little. <laughs> I imagine my vision will improve from not having to look at these lights constantly. Indeed, whom have you selected to replace you? Sepor, <laughs> as he has proven himself to me. An excellent choice. Zarks began to pace, seeming bothered by something. Is something wrong? Deimos asked, becoming aware of the continual movement. I'm not sure, zark says. I feel displaced. Displaced. Like I should be doing something else, or there's something I am missing. And the man in the shadows clenched his teeth. Just leave, the hidden man thought again. Finally, Zark shook his head, as if clearing his thoughts. Well, Damos, ex- I expect <coughs> to see you in a few days. Actually, the day after the Ashen, Zark said, preparing to leave. Thank you, sir, Demos bowed. And with a turn of his cloak, Zark's headed for the gate, his men behind him. At the gate, he turned. I almost forgot. When he returns, Derek will come with Salafiel to visit the prison again. There's no cause for concern, just making you aware. With that last word, he departed. Deimos stood where he was, turning his eyes to the ledge where the man hid. Deimos squinted and cupped his hands over his eyes. Dragons, Deimos whispered, confused by what Targson meant. After a moment, Deimos disregarded the area and left as well. Sephor, second in command to Deimos, took his spot too late now and who knows when there will be no watching so persistently the man whispered he looked at the brace on his arm and back at the prison there's more playing to be done to be done fewer mistakes to be made this time he slowly watched walked to the edge of the mountain and looked down at the treacherous landscape below him he felt heat radiate through him as he prepared to jump he left the cliff with a clack of rocks hitting the mountainside he let the cold wind race around him embracing the feeling of exhilaration He opened his eyes just before he hit the jagged rocks and flew into the night. Salafio concentrated, his eyes bright with magic. He formed orbs of bright light, making them spin around him in the stable. The real stables were where where the best horses of life were kept. With effort, he willed larger orbs of light to form, making several dozen around him in total. With a wave of his other hand, he formed them into various patterns straight lines, even zigzags. Sweat formed on his face as he willed them individually to move. The prince's inborn ability to use magic took effort, took control. He and his brothers practiced regularly to maintain that control by doing exercises such as this. Their power, he knew, was a gift, but there were those who called it magic. This was not the most appropriate word for it, though it was often referred to as such. So even you referred to it as magic and did not mind the use of the word to describe their power. True magic, however, was actually power gained by spells from books, not something that could be used by blood. Kordok had his nose buried in a scroll next to him. Silafil so glanced at Kordok, who was paying him no attention. He noted that Kordok was squinting in the dim light. One of the larger orbs drifted above Kordok, eliminating what he was reading. Thank you, Seth, Kordok said, not looking up. Silafil so let out a puff of relief, releasing his power, except that one orb hovering over Kordok. Elder Derek sure fooled me into believing that doing this is easy, though each time I feel like I'm making more progress, Slothiel sighed. "'What are you reading?' he asked, looking over his brother's shoulder. "'Just information regarding yours and my estates.' Slothiel looked at him as though this were the most boring thing ever. Doc rolled up the parchment, and simultaneously the light flickered and dissipated. "'We will both maintain estates soon. Father has said we will gain our holds after the tournament.' I just want a place to fish with lots of woods, as Kordok shook his head, you and your common lifestyle. I enjoy time to myself when you fish, you always enjoy it, because you, even if you don't catch anything, Kordok interrupted, adding, but I wonder if you ever come away empty-handed when you fish. You never will let that large trout cock go, will you? Sawfeel said, winking. How could I? You were the only one who caught something in a massive, massive fish at that. I sat there for hours, still had nothing to show for it, Kordok said bitterly. You will catch something one day, Slothiel said encouragingly. You're just not following the techniques I showed you. Cordox <laughs> Scalpry was not one to like being beaten at anything, and if he was, he worked hard to make sure he was not outdone again. However, fishing seemed to elude him, no matter how hard he tried. He laughed, knowing that his brother's technique was to chew on smoked pork while fishing. Elusive, slippery fish, he joked. Speaking of elusive fish, where is Jacobin? Likely training with Zarks or the Silver Talons. Much like myself, he dislikes losing. With nothing found in the villages, I imagine his focus has shifted towards tomorrow's festivities. He had better focus, Slothel said, a sly grin on his face. Swordsmanship is just one feature of the tournament, Kordok said, sitting up and dusting himself off, and Fishy is not a part of it, he finished. <laughs> As he spoke, a horse neighed nearby. Tomorrow's tournament consists of five competitions, dueling archery, jousting agility, And finally, a test of wisdom. Kordak had tried to discover what form the final competition would take, hoping to get an edge, but he had found it to be a tightly guarded secret. Slotho reached down, grabbing a long piece of hay and put it in his mouth, holding it between his teeth. Kordak looked at him with narrowed eyes. You do realize the horses relieved themselves here, Kordak said. Slotho froze, and with a loud spitting noise, the wheat left his mouth like an arrow from a bow. Kordak rubbed his nose and snorted. "'I forgot about that,' Salafiel said as a horse neighed again. Salafiel turned to look dumbly at the horse standing ten feet away from them. don't suppose you have some water with you to wash my mouth out,' Salafiel asked. Kordok gestured to the water trough. Salafiel made a puffing noise. "'Well, I'm off to find water,' he said as he left the stables. "'Clean water.' "'I'll come with you,' Kordok said. "'Gives me a bad taste in my mouth having seen you do that.' Salafiel did not let Kordok see him rolling his eyes." they were south of the castle near a local market they often visited the large hut was filled with goods including meats cheeses wines and many other things that they were good for purchasing on the front was a makeshift sign that said dallians which was also the name of the owner of the humble place excuse me as they approached the front door burst open in a quick motion and a scraggly looking man fell on his face in a puff of dirt and grass and stay out came the shout of Dalian. had thrown the man outside the scraggly man struggled to his feet and ran faces red as an overripe apple both Kordok and slothfield paused in a mixture of surprise and confusion they cautiously entered the hut and saw goods hanging from the ceiling or placed neatly on the shelves with signs signifying their price in gold dalian a large frame man with a balding head greeted them with a bow while dusting off his hands a few men and women were in the shop browsing the wares my lords what brings you to my humble shop he asked with a northern accent what happened with the man outside? Korok asked curiously. A mischievous look gleamed in Dalian's eyes. He tried to steal some bread. Saphiel sighed. Why not call the guards? <laughs> guards. Saphiel so looked. Dalian looked amused. Because I enjoy handling it in my way. Besides, he said, tossing around a loaf, they will be informed. That could be dangerous. You never know who you might offend, Korok said. Maybe, Dalian responded. But I have that there, he said, pointing to a large crossbow resting on top of the doorframe. Ah, Kordok said. Dalian shifted his weight onto his other leg and grinned. I would like some wine, please, Salafiel said, handing over two gold pieces from his change purse. Dalian's eyes gleamed. Of course, Prince. Less for me to drink later, he said with a snort, disappearing into a back room to fetch the wine. Dalian has always been an interesting person, hasn't he? Kordok whispered. Yes, Salafiel whispered back, but he means well enough. Dalian returned with the full wineskin after a few minutes. Red Dragon brew, 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 he said, placing it on the counter. Thank you, Dalian, Slafia said, putting down another gold coin. You both are always welcome for you to visit a place as common as this honors me, Dalian said as he scooped up the coins. Well, you have some of the finest wares, besides, where would I get the hooks for fishing? Slafia winked and took a sip from the wineskin. Dalian's eyes darted behind them and he lowered his head like a lion stalking its prey. Dalian? Slafiel asked. My apologies, Prince Dalian shook his head. You do not know how often people attempt to steal from me, Dalian said, motioning towards a woman that had her back turned to them. Kordok grabbed some smoked pork and gave Dalian a silver piece for it. Placing it in a sack, he carried it at his side. Slafiel eyed Kordok understandingly. Kordok thanked Dalian and stood near the door, marrying the crossbow. Has Jacobin been around here today? Slafiel said. <laughs> Dalian shook his head. I have not seen him in a few days he scratched behind his ear he rarely visits anymore though i think it has something to do with the coming festival your brother is competitive for sure he always asks if i have a leg up on any new weapons we're all competitive cordoc shrugged. all the time that's interest that's interesting be sure to inform me before him if you do hear of any new weapons cordoc slyly placed ten pieces of gold onto the table and slid them towards dalian well dalian said i'll see what i can do true Jacobin has always wanted to be the best among us, Salafiel confirmed, ignoring the money exchanged. A few more men came inside the shop and bowed to the princes as they entered. Well, I'll leave you to your trade, friend, Kordok said. Do not be strangers, princess, Dalian said, bowing. Nor are you, Salafiel said, exchanging salutations. Outside, they walked on the marble path, noticing the many people rocking around them, but giving them their distance. The archers in their towers were watchful and had their eyes upon them always so they could wander around without worry of an attempt on their lives. "'What would you like to do now?' Kordok asked, stretching. Salafiel pursed his lips and thought. "'Would you like to practice some swordplay?' he said as they walked over to the training quarters near the stables. "'Sure,' Kordok mocked. "'It would give me a chance to know more strategy on how to beat you. "'Oh?' Salafiel said. "'They say you become more apt to face your fears when you constantly put yourself in fear's way. "'Your name is Fear now?' Kordok jested. "'No,' Kordok or Salafiel retorted. You're saying you're fearful of loss. Let's go, Kordok responded, if you wish. Kordok grinned mischievously as he had been practicing. Chapter 2 An Old Enemy Elder Derek flew slowly through the night sky. Ice hung from his long silver gray claws. He heaved a heated breath. The strain of the temperature at this height made it hard to fly. He felt tired, but knew he needed to return to Relianceville so as quickly as possible. His visit to Mavet had provided proof of the monsters now dwelling among them. After arriving at Mavet, he had found the battalion that King Croft had described in a letter. He searched for some time for the vantage point of the sky, but could not determine anything out of order. The men sent by Alanias arrived a day's time after he did. He had ordered them to search the forest that were common around Mavet. He made sure to emphasize the importance of no detail being left unnoticed or anything strange not being reported back to him. He wasn't able to gather excuse me, enough information from his meeting from Hroth. Hroth made the situation more confusing than it should have been. Eric had wondered, while speaking to the king, how Hroth could even have survived this long. He did not believe that he was being lied to, as too many witnesses had seen the events described, but he felt a twinge of doubt. However, his dark dragon fragment acted strangely when he visited the area the suspicious battalion had been spotted, which changed his mind immediately. This reaction alone quelled any do- doubts he had. Upon further investigation, he found fragments of a strange metal spread in the underbrush. The battalion was lost to the depths of the darkened trees. The only thing left behind was strange pieces of discarded metal. If it was intentional, he did not know, but he knew the only source of this particular substance. It was a dark and murky purple and consistent with the Minimian armor of the past. Derek's thoughts went back to the War Stones, the last great battle you would had seen. That same demonic metal was found around the dispatched bodies of the Tanims, a sight he would never forget. The armor itself was made of something not found in this realm. Like the monsters, that did not seem to belong in the land of flesh and blood. Tanims were horrifyingly alive, but they were even more unnerving when dead. Even though they appeared to be lifeless corpses, he knew better. He thought back to how he had dispatched many of them with claws and blade. Was more energetic than he thought. Keenly aware of his lack of youthful energy, he was tired from flying, but he was also wearying his soul. He thought how unwise he had been, how he had foolishly underestimated the power of an enemy, how his brilliant battles in his youth had fought hard for both Ashenborn and Livesville, and how less painful everything was. He grumbled to himself, the ache moving through his body. Time has a strange way of taking things from people. He blinked his eyes several times, attempting to put his mind back on track. Laxville's guards had come up. Upon a live living Tanim, a straggler, the creature had been wounded from a vet's arrows. The moment he laid eyes upon those soulless sockets of loose skin, he knew his fear had been realized. A terrible growl rose from his narrow throat, guttural and familiar. Its throat, Derek closed his eyes, knowing that as long as he lived, he would never forget the sound those demonic creatures made. All the Tanemians shared an inhuman voices, voices that haunted men after they had the misfortune to hear them. So many bad memories, so many failures. Their world was changing, changing back to what it was before the Great War. The past would not return if what was happening was properly acknowledged. The faction was taken and taken swiftly, Derek thought. The young, inexperienced guard had fallen to the means of murky flames. The screams of memory added to which would not be forgotten. They had killed it without hesitation, not out of bravery but of fear. Derek confirmed its temporary death, for the ashborn had not yet discovered how to completely kill the creatures. It is not that they had not tried, but that they lacked the knowledge the Tenims had discovered at the death of their summer Dothros, disappeared at the death of their summer Dothros. It now seemed there was not someone new to command them. The creature had melted into a mixture of flame and liquid. Its cruel dark presence disappearing, knowing well to leave the area. He had hoped it would have left alive, but could not blame the quick reaction of his men. He shook his head. Droplets of cold vapor dropping from his jaw. His sturdy wings labored under him. His wings and extension itself were beginning to turn numb. He shook his scales, and ice fell from his, him like breaking glass. His muscles rippled, and a cloud of stream, steam rolled from the mass scales. He lowered in altitude, sinking beneath the clouds. A large mountain range appeared below him. He could no longer feel his limbs. That's no good, he whispered, and began to descend toward the lo- closest mountain. The peak opened up. To level surface he landed abruptly, if not gracefully. he breathed a ring of fire into the ground of the mountain. The bright flame stood firm against the roar of the cold and wind as he shrank to human form. Lights flashed as he extended his human arm into the fire. Magic poured into his wrist the gem housed beneath his skin, looking brighter than usual, ignited in flame and sar- uh, flame and light, sparks and orbs of radiance cascaded from the flames that engulfed it. Derek rubbed his palms together and held his hands in front of the fire. He coughed a puff of smog. A fog. I can't read, guys. The wind had subsided some, and he realized he would arrive at Life sale within a few hours. He kicked himself for not rejuvenating his strength sooner. He was aware how much of his magic he expended. After warming his hands, he removed his sword from his belt and held it into the fire. The blade sparked and became translucent and it seemed as though he were peering through a window. The blade was a portal to a distant yet familiar world. The room before him was large. The portal through which he looked was a great mirror inside of Ayash, the hold of the Ashenborn. This was how Ashenborn passed messages to each other. When matters warranted it, a bird was more commonly used because this form of speaking required them to use so much of their power. Birds were easier, but birds were also easier for unwanted eyes to intercept. It is I, Ashen Elder, Derek of Lifespell, he said above the roar of the wind. He turned the blade, looking around the room through which he was communicating. This ancient mirror and other items were used to amplify the Ashenborn's powers, but were also used as a form of speaking over long distances. He turned the blade, viewing the room from different angles. He cleared his throat and repeated his name again several times. What's going on, he thought. He removed the sword, tying it back to his side. They have never not responded in some they have not responded in some time now, he tried to shrug it off. This had been his seventh attempt to speak to someone. Perhaps the other others were busy with other tasks, but he felt deep in his gut something was off. He put his hand back to the fire. The orb in his wrist shone a bright sun glow of topaz. He removed his wrist from the fire, his hand unburned, and placed the amber over it. Should I contact others individually instead of Ayashi, he wondered. He turned northwest, looking in the direction that would eventually lead to the Ashenborn Temple, leagues away from these mountains. Should I head there now? He attempted the same communication method with the kingdom of Edwin to the north. When the Ashenborn had been more numerous and older, had been assigned the duty of protecting each kingdom. The Ashenborn had been fewer now and cared less for this particular duty. Again, he received no answer. Peculiar. He shifted back and forth the soft snow-like powder under his feet. He extinguished the fire with the wave of his hand. In a burst of light, he regained dragon form and ascended back into the skies. His form felt full of power, but not of energy. Only sleep could rejuvenate his vitality. He headed south of Lysville. his mind made up. His first priority was, to his, priority was to his kingdom and those who resided there. He would worry about the Ashenborn later. They would hear his findings in due time. He let himself drift on the breeze for some time before eventually reaching the different climate of And in, in his exhaustion, he knew his senses were dull and unattentive. He landed near the castle and made his way to the king's quarters. Light slowly began to penetrate the darkness, confirming the sunrise. Derek could not believe how long he had been, how long he had flown. Regardless, he thought the king must know now. He entered the castle, knowing that despite the early hour, the king would be awake. Derek found Alanius eating and drinking morning wine. The king looked at him with surprise; his expression of someone not quite awake who had been startled. Alanias motioned for Derek to join him, and Derek sat down without hesitation. Why, my lord? Our servant asked. Derek shook his head. My apologies for intruding, Derek said. Alanias shook his head and waved his hand. It is no concern, he said, putting down the goblet. What news do you bring? Alanias asked, wiping his mouth with a cloth. Derek repeated his story to the king with every detail that he could recall. Sorry about the dog. Leaving nothing out, for an hour he recalled the tale and his discoveries, and the king was silent throughout. Alanice propped his hands under his beard <laughs> intently listening, I'm sorry all As Derek finished, he noticed Alanis no longer was eating his food, but had pushed it away, and several men appeared to remove the remains of fish and fruit. The king motioned for the attendants to leave. After the last of the attendants left, Alanis drummed the table, his face unreadable as his thoughts concentrated elsewhere. The Tenemian have returned Alanias. We must do something, Derek said, breaking the silence. Alanias cleared his throat. Zarks and Zarks only will be the only other person to be told this, Alanias finally said. He must know so as to put the necessary men in place to protect our walls and all those who have traveled here for the Ashen. I will tell them after the competition. Don't you think we should cancel the Ashen? Derek asked, concerned. Alanias pushed away from the large table and stood, using the edge of the table to steady himself. The people need celebration. We will not deprive them of this because evil has shown itself once again. lifeful needs this. Eric looked, Derek nodded, but he asked, But could it be that the celebrations could be postponed? Alanis paused and turned slowly to him. You do not think we're in danger of them being in Lifesville, so do you? Alanis asked, concerning his voice. No, Derek said that we just... We have only just discovered they had returned. It is doubtful that they have gained much substance to them, but immediate action should be made within the lands you dare to hunt them down, lest we repeat the war of stones. I will make it our priority, Alan. I said, but the action will not be moved. It means more that, that it means more that we show no fear than fold under. Excuse me. Just because our ears hear of evil does not mean we are unprepared to contend with it. But my eyes have seen it, it is true. We have that guarantee of it surely a celebration at this time is not warranted Derek said Alanis looked at him seriously a celebration is warranted regardless of how bad the times are Alanis said his eyes shining I do not want to stop something that gives hope to our people that is why no one is to know that Tamimian are back until after the celebration is done not even your sons are to know Derek said looking at him in surprise especially then the king said smiling today they celebrate becoming men tomorrow they must put their attributes to the test. At that, Alanis turned his back to the elder, signaling he did not wish to speak about the matter any further. Derek also stood. I have heard nothing additionally, nor have I been able to speak to my order further. I have even attempted to contact Edwin, but no attempt has been successful. You wish to go to Iosh? Alanis said, following Derek's thoughts. Yes, but only after checking our walls and guaranteeing all our safety in the ashen, Derek said. Alanis rubbed his beard and paced around the table, the echo of footsteps resigning through the room. Good, maybe a course of action can be made. Derek looked down at the Vambris on his forearm. He hoped that going to Ayash would resolve whatever problem it was, but he could not help but notice the same strange feeling in his stomach. As for now, I, said, We must act as though nothing is wrong. The people need not fear for the moment until it is necessary. Derek ag- agreed hesitantly out of respect for the king. He did not fully agree with this course of action. Alanias called his servants back into the room. Bring me General Zarks, he commanded. All right, guys, that's it. I'm sorry I kind of stumbled through some stuff. Uh, dogs started barking and all that stuff. But uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you guys want to check up on me, definitely follow me on social media. I know this, I do this at the end of every episode. But uh, if you would, you know, definitely share, talk about it, uh, tell people about the book. Um, you know, check it out on Amazon. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good week. And I will post, uh, <laughs> hopefully, another video um, in a few days. Thanks, guys. Blessings. Music